All right, I'm on. There we go. Sorry, I forgot to turn my microphone pack on. Uh, well, good morning. As you can tell, our kiddos are going to begin our worship service by singing, so give them your attention. job great job all right they're going to make their way to their seats if you would stand and take a moment and welcome those around you
Father, that is our desire this morning, is that you be magnified. As we seek to magnify the name of Jesus, through that, Father, you receive the glory as well. Oh God, we ask you this morning to do a work that only you can do. This morning in this room, there are only two categories of people, either those who are lost or those who have been saved, those who are dead or those who are alive. And this morning, if we are alive, it is because of the work that you have done in us, to quicken us, Paul says, you made us alive in Christ. And this morning, if we are not alive, then that means we are dead in our sins and trespasses. And so, God, we plead this morning that you would do that work of life, bring life into these dead, dry bones. Save today for your glory, we pray in Jesus' name. And all God's people said... Amen. You may be seated. Well, good morning. It is a good morning, even though it's a flood outside, right? Amen. God is still on the throne, and we still are here to worship Him. Well, welcome. We are glad that you're here with us uh, this morning. If this is your first time, you are our guest, and we are thrilled uh, that you have chosen to worship with us, that the Lord brought you here uh, this morning. And we just want to serve you, minister to you, pray for you, love on you any way that we possibly can. So if you'll just let us know, uh, we want to be faithful to do that. If this is your first time, we would appreciate if you would let us know. You can do that one of two ways. There's a QR code that you can scan inside the bulletin, or there's a connection card out there um, in the lobby that you can fill out. Uh, so this, this month, um, leading up to Easter, in Southern Baptist churches, as we, through the cooperative program, work with other Southern Baptist churches, we give to what is called at Easter time the Annie Armstrong Easter Offering. And this offering, um, given by the thousands of Southern Baptist churches, goes towards North American missions. And so you'll see in uh, the bulletin that our goal is $7,500. Um, inside the, the chairs in front of you, there is an envelope. Um, you can give the rest of this month, and you can give through Easter Sunday. I want to encourage you to do that. Every time we do one of these, I tell you, take the envelope home, pray over it, put it in front of you and your family, and ask the Lord how He can lead you to give um, to the work that God is doing here uh, in, in North America, because the work is great. And so every, every week we'll have a video. This morning the video is only about a minute long, but it just shows through a ministry um, through your giving to Annie Armstrong, lives are being changed. It specifically focuses, focuses in on one lady uh, whose life has been drastically changed uh, through Jesus Christ. So check out this video. It's hard to explain to somebody what it's like to live on the street if they never lived on the street. I just went over the edge. Ended up getting heavy into some drugs. And I lost my job. I became homeless. I was dying. Somehow, my parents got a hold of Kay, and that's what opened up the door for me to become sober. I met Yvonne, and she was homeless on the street, came to Friendship House, and things began to change in her life. We're able to provide a meal. We're also able to meet those basic physical needs that, that others may have. It opens the door to minister to the spiritual needs so that a life-changing relationship can begin with Jesus Christ. I have never seen a life change like Yvonne's, and it's just been amazing to watch God work in her life. I never would have thought that I would be where I am today because I had no hope. This place saved my life. 
Please pray with me. Lord, as your word says in Psalm 65, we echo this with all of our hearts. Praise is due to you, O God, in Zion. And to you shall vows be performed. O you who hear a prayer, to you shall all flesh come. When iniquities prevail against me, you atone for our transgressions. Blessed is the one you choose and bring near to dwell in your courts. We shall be satisfied with the goodness of your house, the holiness of your temple. By awesome deeds you shall answer with righteousness, O God of our salvation. The hope of all the ends of the earth and of the Father's seas, the one who by his strength established the mountains, being girded with might, who stills the roaring of the seas, the roaring of the waves, the tumult of the peoples, so that those who dwell at the ends of the earth are in awe at your signs. You make the going out of the morning and the evening to shout for joy. You visit the earth and water it. You greatly enrich it. The river of God is full of water. You provide their grain, for so you have prepared it. You water it its furrows abundantly, settling its ridges, softening it with showers, and blessing its growth. You crown the year with your bounty. Your wagon tracks overflow with abundance. The pastures of the wilderness overflow. The hills hills gird themselves with joy. The meadows clothe themselves with flocks. The valleys deck themselves with grain. They shout and sing together for joy. And Lord, we thank you for who you are. You brought us together and we pray that you would bless as we sing these songs. These songs that remind us of you, that draw our focus to you. We pray that you would draw our minds, focus our hearts to your word as it is preached. We pray all these things in Jesus' name.
Amen. Amen. Thank you, choir. Because he lives. All right, at this time, our kiddos are going to make their way out to Children's Church, both of our classes, our preschool, and then our kindergarten through second grade as well. Everyone else, if you'll take your copy of God's Word and turn to John chapter 3, the Gospel of John, the Gospel of John chapter 3. We're going to read verses 1 through 8 in just a second. The Gospel of John chapter 3, verses 1 through 8. We're in a series in which we're looking at salvation, the different aspects of salvation. Last week we talked about redemption, how we have been redeemed, we have been bought out of, delivered from slavery to sin and slavery to Satan through the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ, that only He can redeem us, right? We're just saying, since I have been redeemed, we've been redeemed through Jesus. So we're going to continue that this morning. We're going to get to John chapter 3. Now understand, this isn't going to be an in-depth discourse on John chapter 3. This is more an overview of understanding these things, but I do want to encourage you at some point this week maybe to do a deeper dive um, into John chapter 3. But if you have your copy of God's Word, would you please stand in honor of the reading of God's Word. John 3 verses 1 through 8, and then we'll come back to this text under point number 2 this morning. Now there was a man of the Pharisees named Nicodemus, a ruler of the Jews, This man came to Jesus by night and said to him, Rabbi, we know that you are a teacher come from God, for no one can do these signs that you do unless God is with him. Jesus answered him, Truly, truly, I say to you, unless one is born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. Nicodemus said to him, How can a man be born when he is old? Can he enter a second time into his mother's womb and be born? Jesus answered, Truly, truly, I say to you, unless one is born of water and the Spirit, he cannot enter the kingdom of God. That which is born of the flesh is flesh, and that which is born of the Spirit is spirit. Do not marvel that I said to you, you must be born again. The wind blows where it wishes, and you hear its sound, but you do not know where it comes from or where it goes. So it is with everyone who is born of the Spirit. You may be seated. Are you a Christian? Are you a Christian? Many would answer that question with things like, well, I go to church, I'm a member of a Sunday school class, I've been baptized, I attend mass, or I attend church, I grew up with Christian parents, man, my grandparents, they went to church, I give to church, or I give to charities, I'm a good person, but does that make you a Christian? Is The matter of being a Christian, an outward thing. Is it an outward activity? Listen, you need to be able to answer that question. What does the Bible say about salvation? Is being a Christian only about what you do or don't do? In the 90s, in the Minneapolis Star Tribune, there was a a, a little blurb in there about a three-year-old girl named Katie. She was taken to the doctor during a bout with the flu. And the doctor began to look her over, and he began to look in her ears, and he said, well, I find Big Bird in there. Katie looked at the doctor and was like, no. Before examining her throat, he asked, well, I find Cookie Monster in there. And again, the girl was like, no. 
Finally, listening to her heart, he asked, Will I find Barney in there? And she looked at the doctor directly in the eye and said, No, Jesus is in my heart. Barney is on my underwear. <laughs> I love that. I was like, I've got to share that. I, I love her answer. Three-year-old understands. Now, does she really have Jesus in her heart in the sense that she's saved and following Jesus? No, but she understood it was about Jesus being in her heart, but she had to throw in, but I'm wearing Barney underwear, right? And so for so many people, salvation is more about the outward. It's what we wear. It's how we look. It's what we're doing rather than focusing on the inward. According to Scripture, salvation is first about a work that begins on the inside, whereby you and I realize our sinfulness, realize our need for a Savior, and the Redeemer who is Jesus Christ. We call this work, this inward work, regeneration. Regeneration. So three questions this morning. What is regeneration? Why is regeneration necessary? And third, how does regeneration impact us on a daily basis. So, first of all, number one, what is regeneration? What is regeneration? Well, let me give you a technical definition. Wayne Grudem, in his really thick systematic theology book, defines regeneration this way. It's a secret act of God. By secret, he means inward. You and I can't see it. It's a secret act of God in which he imparts new spiritual life to us. That's a technical definition. A practical definition Regeneration is God doing an inward work in a person to give them new life. An inward work by which God gives that person new life. Stephen Lawson said, regeneration is the life of God in the soul of a man. The life of God in the soul of a man. C.H. Spurgeon writes this, regeneration is the hinge of the gospel. It is a subject which lies at the very basis of salvation. It is the very groundwork of our hopes for salvation. Now you and I need to understand, again, big picture here. The scripture speaks to this idea of regeneration. Now the Greek word um, regeneration, it's, this Greek word is used twice in the New Testament. Only once is it translated regeneration. So I'm going to give you several scriptures here. Each of these will be on the screen. You can write down the reference if you desire. Titus chapter 3 verse 5. He saved us not because of works done by us in righteousness but according to his own mercy by the washing of regeneration and the renewal of the Holy Spirit. Regeneration right this this process of being made new. You have John chapter 1 verse 13 which talks about our being children of God. It says who were born right we're born children of God not of blood it's not hereditary, it's not something physical, nor of the will of the flesh, it's not something your flesh desired, nor the will of man, but of God. We are born of God. The next reference is 1 John chapter 4, verse 7. Beloved, let us love one another, for love is from God, and whoever loves has been born of God and knows God. So again, born of God. Next reference, 2 Corinthians 5, 17. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he's a new creation. The old has passed, behold, the new has come. Ephesians chapter 2, verse 5. Even when we were dead in our trespasses, that's key, 
made us alive. God made us alive together with Christ. By grace, you have been saved. 1 Peter 1, 3. According to His great mercy, He has caused us to be what? Born again to a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. And one more, 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 23. Since you have been born again, not of perishable seed, but of imperishable through the living and abiding word of God. Did you notice the language? Regeneration, born of God, new creation, made alive, born again. The New Testament is clear. Salvation is a work that begins on the inside. It's God making us alive. It is God making us new. This is a work of God, born again, regeneration, new. A work that God does inwardly that is then manifested outwardly as we are changed. So it's a work of God by which He imparts life to those who were dead in sins and trespasses. So, second question, why does it matter? Why is this work of God regeneration necessary for anyone to be saved? And that's where we go to John chapter 3. So let's work our way through this in just a few minutes. Chapter 3, verse 1. Now there was a man of the Pharisees named Nicodemus, a ruler of the Jews. We could spend minutes, hours talking about a Pharisee and Nicodemus, but Nicodemus was a religious and a respected man. He was a Pharisee. A Pharisee was a separatist. A Pharisee held strictly to the law of God, and then they had the rabbinic traditions, which adds all the other laws on top of the Old Testament laws. So, I mean, they had all the laws down. They were keeping them. They, he, he was a, a member of the Sanhedrin. It says he was a ruler of the Jews, 70 men plus the high priest. Right, There's this body, this Sanhedrin. It says in verse um, Verse 10, are you the teacher of Israel? Right, a teacher of Israel. He would have been well-respected. He would have known his stuff. So here comes this devout, religious man to Jesus. He's devout, he's religious, but hear me, he's lost. Because he has never been born again. So he comes to Jesus. This man came to Jesus by night. You can do your research on why he came by night. We're going through this quickly. This man came to Jesus by night, and he said to him, Rabbi... We know that you are a teacher come from God. That's key. We know that you're a teacher come from God. For no one can do these signs that you do unless God is with him. Um, I heard somebody say this week, I can't remember who. Jesus was not a teacher come from God. Jesus was God who came to teach. I thought, man, that's good. I can't, I can't remember who said it. But he was God who came to teach. He recognizes, man, he's coming from God. He's doing things, saying things that nobody else has said, nobody else has done. Verse 3, Jesus answered him, Truly, truly, I say to you, unless one is born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. If you're reading that, you're probably thinking, Jesus, what you just said to him has nothing to do with what he just said. Like, he doesn't ask a question. I mean, he, he just comes and says, hey, we recognize this is who you are. And then Jesus says something to him about, unless you're born again, you cannot see the kingdom of God. And you're like, what is going on here? Well, here's what's going on. If you go back to chapter 2, John is kind of keying us in on this. Jesus knows people. He knows the very heart of Nicodemus. Nicodemus doesn't even have to ask a question because Jesus already knows what's on Nicodemus' heart. Maybe Nicodemus's question is similar to the rich young ruler who says, what must I do to be saved? 
Like he wants to know, how do I enter the kingdom? How am I saved? And so Jesus says to him, look at the language, unless one is born again, that word can also mean born from above. I think both are true. Unless you are born again from above, you cannot see the kingdom of God. He can't even see the kingdom of God. Why can't he see it? Because apart from the work of God in our lives, the Bible says that the God of this world has blinded, has blinded us. He's blinded our hearts. He's blinded our eyes. We can't see the truth unless we're born again. So we have a man who is blind, not physically, but spiritually. He can't see and this is what Nicodemus said to him, how can a man be born when he is old? Can he enter a second time into his mother's womb and be born? And he's like, look, this is impossible, Jesus. What are you talking about? So Jesus says again, truly, truly, I say to you, unless one is born of water and the spirit. Now look at this. He cannot enter the kingdom of God. The first time he says you can't see the kingdom. Now he says you can't even enter into the kingdom. He can't see because he's spiritually blind, and he can't enter because Paul and the New Testament teaches us that we are dead spiritually in our sins apart from Jesus Christ. Think about what the New Testament teaches us. We are separated, we are far off, we are dead, meaning we have no ability to enter, we have no desire to enter into the kingdom of God. When's the last time you've ever seen a dead person do anything? Never. And if you do, you'll never go to another funeral again. <laughs> Dead people have a simple, simple inability to do anything because they're dead. And so he is saying, you can't see the kingdom, you can't enter the kingdom. Now I find this fascinating. The first teaching recorded in the Gospel of John is not about how you should live, but how you are made alive spiritually. It's not how you live that's important. And we're going to get there, specifically next week. It's about how you are made alive spiritually. Hear me. You can't live unless you are alive. And you can't enter the kingdom of God, Jesus says, unless you've been born again from above. Some of you wear a watch. Imagine tomorrow morning your watch stops working. You think, man, why is my watch not working? So you think, well, I'll replace the face. Still doesn't work. You think, well, I'll just replace the wristband and I'll polish up my watch. And you're doing all this stuff to the outside, but your watch isn't working because it's dead on the inside. You need a new battery. You need something to put in there to give it life. You and I, inwardly we are dead. We need something outside of us to bring life into us. And that person is Jesus. So what does, what does Jesus say to him? Unless one is born of water and the Spirit. Now, what does this refer to? Some people says it refers to baptism. That, that would be called baptismal regeneration. We do not believe you're saved through baptism. The New Testament does not teach that. So what does water and Spirit mean? Well, here's the thing. Nicodemus should have known what it meant because he was a student of the Old Testament. It's Ezekiel 36. So if you have your Bibles, go back to the prophet Ezekiel. Ezekiel 36. Ezekiel chapter 36, it's page 875 in my Bible if that helps you at all. <laughs> Ezekiel 36, 24 through 27, listen to what God says he's going to do. 
Ezekiel 36, beginning in verse 24, I will take you from the nations, gather you from all the countries, and bring you into your own land. I will sprinkle clean water on you. There's the water part. I will sprinkle clean water on you. You shall be clean from all your uncleannesses. Right, so it's talking about a cleansing of our sins, a cleansing of our uncleanness from this water. And from all your idols, I will cleanse you. Now look at verse 26. And I will give you a new heart and a new spirit I will put within you. And I will remove the heart of stone from your flesh and give you a heart of flesh. And I, you notice all the I wills, I will put my spirit within you and cause you to walk in my statutes and be careful to obey my rules. Notice something here. Notice that verse, that verse 27. I will put my spirit within you and cause you. He's saying, I'm going to cause you to walk in my statutes and be careful to obey my rules. Living out the commands of God are vital for those of us in Christ. But he says, you can't do it till I put my spirit within you. And I will cause you. This is talking about the promise right, that we know now when the Holy Spirit comes, poured out upon Pentecost, that it's the Spirit of God who does this work of regeneration. Our problem is not external, which means you can't clean yourself up. Your problem, hear me, is that you are blind, deaf, and dead. And you can't do a thing about that. You can't do anything. So apart from God's work of redemption, you can't be saved. It required God sending His Son Jesus to live a sinless, perfect life, to die in our place as our substitute, to atone for our sins so that our sins could be forgiven, so that we could be set free from Satan and sin. Through the resurrection of Jesus, we now have victory. We can walk in that victory. So apart from redemption, you can't be saved. And apart from God's work of regeneration, hear me, you won't be saved. You won't. Because whenever you hear the preaching of God's word, if you're blind, deaf, and dead, it falls on deaf ears. Your heart is hardened to the things of God, and therefore, you are not saved. So I remember June 18th, 1990. If this is the stage, I'm sitting on the left over there. It's a Monday night. I grew up in church, been in church since I was in my mama's womb. I knew the scriptures. I knew the gospel. I'd sat through Sunday school, Sunday nights, Wednesday nights. And all of a sudden, on that night, something clicked. For the first time, I began to see my sinfulness. For the first time, I responded to Jesus Christ. I walked forward in repentance and faith, and I gave my life to Jesus. What made that night different from the first ten and a half years of my life? Let me tell you what made the difference. It was the work of the Holy Spirit in my heart that for the first time opened my eyes so that I saw my need for a Savior. And I saw my sinfulness and I responded in repentance and faith. So that's why regeneration is necessary. Because apart from this work of the Holy Spirit causing us to be born again, we are dead in our sins and trespasses and will never follow Jesus because we can't and we don't want to. It's not about permission. This isn't may language. This is can. You don't have the ability to follow Jesus in your lost state. So regeneration is necessary. Third, how does regeneration impact you and I going forward? 
this doctrine of being made alive, of being born again from above, how does it impact us? Number one, you must be born again. And if you are born again, then you won't be the same. Please listen to me. Salvation is not about behavior modification. Sometimes we try to counsel people for behavior modification. Listen, you can modify the behavior all you want. But unless you get to the root problem, which is their heart, their behavior will only be modified temporarily. It's not behavior modification. It's about an inward change. You want that person to go from dead to alive in Jesus Christ. Salvation isn't about being religious. It's not about working our way to God. Because if you're blind, deaf, and dead, and we could add dumb because we're ignorant as well, you're not going anywhere. You're not working your way to God. Salvation is about you going from lost to being saved, dead to alive. So hear me, we were all in the same condition. So remember where you were. And we all need the same thing. That is new life in Jesus Christ. Every person you see at Kroger, at the New Publix, every person you work with, every person in your family member is either dead spiritually or they've been made alive spiritually. They are either lost and cut off from God and thus without hope, or they have been brought near through the reconciliation of Jesus Christ and now have hope and peace. Every single person on planet Earth who has ever lived or will live is in one of those two places. So what we pray for is the regenerating work of the Holy Spirit, which is then, and this is key, manifested outwardly through repentance and faith. Repentance and faith. Now you say, which comes first? God's work of regeneration or my faith? Come Wednesday night, because in our small groups, you guys are going to have that conversation. It's not what we're going to get into this morning because I'm trying to keep this brief and an overview. But God does the work. There's faith. There's repentance. I would say they're, sim- they're right there. It's not like you're born again and then five years later you have repentance and faith. It takes place. But hear me. Your response to being born again is repentance and faith. I do believe we have a discipleship problem, a lack of discipleship. But I heard somebody say this week, Our problem and where we are today is not a lack of discipleship. It was a lack of accurately preaching the gospel. We falsely let a lot of people to come forward, to say a prayer, to fill out a card, and we baptized them, but we never told them to be born again means you're going to walk in ongoing repentance and faith in Jesus. And if there is no repentance, you have never been born again. And therefore, you are not saved. You are lost going to hell and that's the terrifying thing can i be honest is that our churches are filled with people who think they're going to heaven they think they'll be there not because their faith is in jesus but it's in a decision they made when they were eight years old your salvation isn't in a decision you made when it was eight your salvation is in the fact that you called upon the name of jesus 
and you keep calling upon the name of Jesus, and you keep walking in repentance, because that's the outward evidence of an inward change of you being born again. So that's the first thing. You've been born again, and if you're born again, you will not be the same. You'll be changed. And if you've not been born again, then you're lost, and you need the regenerating work of the Holy Spirit. Number two, don't stop praying for lost friends and relatives. This is the second point of application about how regeneration changes us. Don't stop praying for lost friends and relatives. Why? Because God is still in the business of saving men and women. Which means God is still in the regeneration business. He is still in the business of taking blind, deaf, ignorant, and dead people cut off from God and doing a work in their heart by which they realize their sinfulness and they see their need for Jesus and they cry out and confess, Jesus, save me, a sinner. So here's why this is so freeing. God saves people, not you and not me. I learned this when I was in high school. I spent three summers working at a camp, Boonesboro Camp, right outside of Winchester, Kentucky, and a little place called Trap. Worked there for three summers as a counselor, and kids would come out six, seven weeks out of the summer, and we would just love on them, and they'd have an opportunity to respond to Jesus. And I remember that night, like it was yesterday, sitting out in the field, talking to my first young man who wanted, the Spirit was working in his heart, and he wanted to give his life to Jesus. For the first time in my life, I remember just sharing the gospel with somebody and seeing them pray to receive Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior. That night, the, the counselors, we all got together to share about what happened that day. And in my excitement, when it got to me, I said, I saved somebody tonight. And they began to pick at me and joke around and I didn't mean it that way they know I didn't mean it that way but it's like oh Aaron has the power to save people now like this is incredible right I saved somebody no I have never saved a person in my life and you will never save a person in your life you are not the savior you are simply an instrument in the hands of a redeemer you are a mouthpiece to open the gospel so that the work that the Lord is doing in their heart, now the gospel is placed within their heart and they can receive and repent in hearing the gospel and take Jesus to be Lord and Savior. Acts 16, 14 is talking about Lydia. And it says the Lord opened her heart to pay attention to what was said by Paul. Let me, let me just camp out here for a minute because this is really, really important. Look, I've shared with you guys before, I'm an introvert. If you're an introvert, somebody in this room will tell you, get over it. Love your brother. He's in the back. He'll tell you, get over it. Right? If you're an introvert, maybe you're, it, it's a little harder to share the gospel. But sometimes you don't share the gospel because we just, I don't know what to say. Like, I lack the ability. Or, or maybe you're not studied up in here, but you need to study. I would encourage you to practice. You need to be ready. But, he, but here's the thing that can happen. You could be sharing the gospel of Jesus with somebody. And it's like in your mind, you're thinking, man, I'm on a roll. Like, I've quoted every scripture from memory. I've not stumbled one time. Like, this dude's getting saved. And you're just, man, you're just fired it off. And then all of a sudden you say, hey, will you, will you respond to this message? Will you confess your sins and believe that Jesus is Lord and Savior of your life? Will you, will you respond right now? And they look at you and they're like, no, I'm not really interested in that. And you're like, oh, man. 
And then two days later, you can share that same gospel. And you're stumbling, and you're fumbling, and you can't remember the scripture, and you've messed it up, and in your mind you're thinking, there's not a chance this person's going to respond. But you say, hey, why not give it a shot? Hey, would you like to repent? Would you like to believe the gospel? And they say, yes, I want to be saved. And you're like, whoa, now wait a minute, just what happened here? Let me tell you what happened. It's not you, it's the Spirit of God. You can get it all wrong, and yet the Spirit of God can still save and change a person as long as you get the main gospel right. You can say it all wrong. So hear me. Let me encourage you. Don't stop praying for your friends and relatives. Don't stop being willing to share the gospel. Keep preaching the gospel and keep trusting that God is doing the work of regeneration inwardly, which you may not see outwardly yet. Because it's a secret work of God that will then be expressed through repentance and faith. Keep sharing the gospel. And third, you are alive in Christ, so live for Christ. 1 Peter chapter 2, Ryan and I have been working our way through 1 Peter and in our time of reading. And 1 Peter chapter 2 verses 1 through 3 says, So put away all malice and all deceit and hypocrisy and envy and all slander. Like put those things away. Verse 2, like newborn infants long for the pure spiritual milk that by it you may grow up into salvation. Verse 3, if indeed you have tasted that the Lord is good. Have you tasted that the Lord is good? If you are a believer in Jesus Christ, a follower of Jesus Christ, and you've tasted the Lord's goodness. The Spirit of God did that work in you, and you responded with repentance and faith, and you have tasted that He is good. And so what does it say in verse 2? Like newborn infants, long for the pure spiritual milk, that by it you may grow up into salvation. You have tasted, and you keep tasting. You keep coming back to the Lord Jesus Christ and, and feasting upon the gospel and feasting upon the mercy and the goodness and the grace of God, and you keep growing in that faith because your life has been changed. Now hear me. Lost people, dead people spiritually, blind people think it is absolutely absurd that you would hold fast to and live for Christ and follow His commands. You work with people. You live next to people. Some of you young folks, as you're looking for a college and as you eventually go get a job, I don't question that you'll be asked these things. Do you believe in Jesus Christ? Do you follow God's will when it comes to sexuality and gender and these sorts of cultural issues? They think it absolutely absurd that we believe what we believe and would die for it. And you know why they think it absurd? Because they're blind, because they're deaf, and they're dead spiritually. That's why they think it absurd. And they will always think it is absurd unless the work of regeneration takes place in their heart. And once they go from dead to alive and their eyes are opened and the light bulb comes on, if you will, they begin to give their life to Jesus. Listen, it is not controversial to say Jesus is a way. That's not controversial. If you and I just said, hey, Jesus is one of many ways, he's a way that you can choose or you can choose another way, the world has no problem with us. But when we say Jesus is the way and the truth 
and the life, that's absurd. That's bigoted. That's arrogant. And how dare you impose your beliefs upon us? And they will never see outside of the work of regeneration. C.H. Spurgeon says, It is through regeneration that the dead sinner is quickened, the unwilling is made willing, the desperately hard sinner has his conscience made tender, and he who rejected God and despised Christ is brought to cast himself down at the feet of Jesus. Let me just call you as we conclude to remember. Can you remember when the Holy Spirit of God began to do that work in you? That the very message that you rejected, you now embraced. That the very Jesus you denied, you now cry out, Lord Jesus, save me, a sinner. That the very people that maybe you mocked, you now are one of those people who love Jesus and follow Jesus. And then let me ask you this. Have you been born again? Have you been born again from above? Have, 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 has God done that work of regenerating you so that you are now alive spiritually and you're sensitive to the things of God? And if you have been born again, then listen, you're different. You cannot be the same. So walk in repentance, walk in faith and belief, as we'll see next week when we look at conversion. Would you close your eyes and bow your head? Father, all we can do right now is just to plead. It's to plead, God, that you would do that work in us. God, that you would open our eyes and open our hearts and open our minds to your things. Maybe we have um, hardened our hearts. Even, even as Christians, maybe we've hardened our hearts to the things of God. Would you just bring about that repentance, bring about that renewed faith and belief and that commitment? And then, God, may we just express our gratitude to you. God, there is no salvation apart from your coming, apart from your sending your son, Jesus. Jesus, there is no redemption if you do not offer up your life as that ransom payment. And there is no salvation, God, if you don't do a work in us as dead sinners. Paul doesn't stumble when he says that we are dead in our sins and trespasses. And this morning, God, maybe somebody walked in here thinking that they were alive. They were trusting in their good works and their good deeds, but not really trusting in the finished work of Jesus Christ. Their hope this morning is in a decision they made or in the way that their parents raised them or in the fact that they think they're good people or they do good things. But God, when we stand before you on judgment day, that stuff doesn't hold weight. Our only hope is to declare Jesus died for me, a sinner. And I gave my life to Jesus. I went from dead to alive. Because you live, Jesus, we can live. Because you live, we can face tomorrow. Because you live, there is hope within us and there is life within us. And we right now can live in Jesus. Because Jesus, you have lived in us and given us life. Oh God, would you quicken the dead this morning? Would you bring them to life that they might respond in repentance and faith? Restore the joy of our salvation, we pray, oh God. As we sing this song, be glorified in us. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.
I'm going to ask you to stand. You respond. If you don't know Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior and you believe the Holy Spirit is doing a work in your life, will you just come forward, take me by the hand, and let me share the gospel with you this morning. Let's sing together.
You alone can rescue. And so to you alone belongs the highest praise. Can we just give the Lord the praise and the glory that he deserves? You may be seated for just a moment. Let me go over some announcements. We got our Awana Grand Prix tonight, so that's always a fun time. The schedule is listed in there for you, so please pay attention to that. Parents Night Out, Saturday, March 25th. Registration is available. Ms. Heather will be out here at the table right when you walk out to your left. There's some forms for you to fill out. Um, you can also pay uh, for that this morning. That's $5 per child. If you are interested in helping, um, specifically for this first time, some of our youth, if you will be here to help, please see Ms. Heather tonight, this morning, and say, hey, I'll be here. Um, I can help and provide the muscle and the, the, the wits and whatever else you can provide. So, um, a deadline for letting us know if you're interested in going to Ecuador. We have to make a decision. It requires a certain number of people, and so we need you to let us know um, about that. Men's ministry breakfast this Saturday coming up. Want you to be a part of that at 8 a.m. And one last thing, also on Saturday, we have a uh, memorial service for Carl Hogan. Uh, Ms. Fay wanted me to remind those of you who offered to bring some food for that. We need that here between 12.30 and 1 o'clock. So if you are bringing food for that, please take that to the fellowship hall between 12.30 and 1 o'clock. All right, if you will stand back up, we'll be dismissed with a word of prayer. Paul, if you'll come, close us in prayer. Let us pray. Lord Jesus, I just pray that... Uh, you help us to be an instrument of your will here on earth. Lord, if you truly are the only way to eternity with our creator, and if our faith is so great, Lord, help us to share that with our friends and co-workers. Um, just break down any barriers or any resistance we would have to share in our faith. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.